in Portuguese from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 10 to 21. Certo sábado, Jesus estava ensinando numa das sinagogas, e ali estava uma mulher que tinha um espírito que a mantinha doente havia 18 anos. Ela andava encurvada e de forma alguma podia endireitar-se. Ao vê-la, Jesus chamou à frente e lhe disse, Mulher, está livre da sua doença. Então lhe impôs as mãos e imediatamente ela se endireitou e passou a louvar a Deus. Indignado, porque Jesus havia curado no sábado, o dirigente da sinagoga disse ao povo, Há seis dias em que se, se deve trabalhar. Venham para ser curados nesses dias e não no sábado. O Senhor lhe respondeu, Hipócritas, cada um de vocês não desamarra no sábado seu boi ou o jumento do estábulo e, e o leva dali dar -lhe para dar-lhe água? Então, essa mulher, uma filha de Abraão, a quem Satanás mantinha presa por 18 longos anos, não, não deveria, no dia de, de sábado, ser libertada daquilo que a prendi prendia? Tendo disto isso, todos os seus oponentes ficaram envergonhados, mas o povo se alegrava com todas as maravilhas que ele ali estava fazendo. Então Jesus perguntou, com que se parece o reino de Deus? Com que o compararei? É como um grão de mostarda que um homem semeou em sua horta. Ele cresceu e se tornou uma árvore e as aves do céu fizeram ninhos em seus ramos. Mais uma vez ele perguntou, com que compararei o reino de Deus? É como um fermento que uma mulher misturou com uma grande quantidade de farinha e toda a massa ficou fermentada. And now the English translation. On the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on a Sabbath. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the soul and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, 
whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath of the day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. It is a great pleasure to be here again. Um, let's pray. We give you thanks, Father, for this, for this day that we can gather together. Teach us from your scripture. Uh, and may this time bring glory to you. Uh, and may the rest of the week also bring glory to you. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. During one of our community meals that we serve uh, just down the street out of the Monday Cafe, one of the neighbors who regularly visits uh, for a meal approached me. Uh, he told me he was grateful for all the meals he had been part of. And he asked me to pray for him. After we finished praying, he put a $10 bill in my hand. This caught me unprepared. Uh, and I insisted that I didn't need the money, that I couldn't take money from him. But he would not take the bill back. Uh, he said he had received a gift and that he wanted to share it with us because uh, we were always kind to him. So thank you to the volunteers, by the way, all of you who have come. Uh, this, is, this, this is wonderful that you do this. I decided to treasure the gesture and see that $10 bill as an offering to the ministry. Now, because until about a year ago, I had been living in Latin America, and I guess because I'm not observant enough, I had not noticed that, only, that not only the design of the bill, uh, but the person portrayed in it, uh, in our $10 bill, was no longer the, prime, the first prime minister, um, but another person called Viola Desmond. 
a black entrepreneur who confronted the racism that black people in Nova Scotia faced in the 20th century. In November 1946, she attended a local movie theater where she encountered segregating seating uh, rules. Only white people could sit uh, in the floor seats. Uh, black people had to sit in the balcony. When she was told to move to another seat, so she chose to sit in the, in the floor level. When she was told to, seat, uh, to take another seat up in the balcony, she refused to comply. She was forcibly removed from the theater, arrested, held in jail overnight, and then charged, tried, and convicted the next day with the charge of tax evasion. That charge was based on the one cent difference in the tax between floor and balcony seats. The law was interpreted and used to justify her unjust conviction. Viola, Viola Desmond fought the charges with the help of the Nova Scotia Association for the Advan Advancement of Colored People. And that is the reason why she's featured in our $10 bill. I wonder if Viola ever heard these stories about Jesus that Josie and Victoria just read for us. I'm sure she must have. You see, after she suffered this injustice, Viola went to her local church, Cornwallis Street Baptist Church. And there she found the support and encouragement of the congregation and of the minister to denounce this injustice. I also wonder if this is the first time you're hearing this story, these stories of Jesus. Or whether you have spent most of your life listening to stories of Jesus. Do these stories still amaze you? Do they still invite you to see the world upside down? Do they? On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching on, in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hand on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. The synagogue was the local place of worship. It must have been a fantastic experience to listen and to learn from this wonderful teacher that was Jesus.
Although he preferred teaching on the streets and in people's houses, he also often taught in the synagogues. Teaching was a very important matter for Jesus. His central topic, what he talked most about, was the good news of the kingdom of God. Of course, the content of his teaching mattered, but the beauty of reading the Gospels is that as we follow Jesus, we begin to see how he preaches the good news and how he himself is the good news. His words, his actions, he who is, all that he is, are the good news. So let's see how the good news unfold in this story. First, notice that the woman, it wasn't the woman who approached Jesus. It was Jesus who interrupted his own teaching to serve this woman. Our teacher is a servant. And for us, that means that there is no discipleship without service. This is true for all areas of discipleship. Whether you are, you are staying at home raising kids, or you work outside the home, or you hold a formal position in the church, there is no true discipleship without service. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? The leader of the synagogue didn't like that the Sabbath with its teaching time was interrupted. He didn't think it was proper. He had a very firm, very clear idea of how the congregation should gather for worship and what was acceptable to do during that Sabbath time. He was so rigid about those expectations and his own interpretation of the law that he, has, he, had, he didn't have the capacity to take part in the rest that Jesus was offering to this woman. He is so focused on the teaching that, ironically, he's not learning. He has lost sight of the learning that was happening around him. Jesus, the teacher, 
cares about our hurts. He cares about our hurts enough to interrupt his own teaching. We need this teacher. The world needs this teacher. The world needs his healing. I wonder whether as time goes by and we accumulate years of discipleship uh, or even years of leadership, formal leadership in some of our cases, we become fixated with our own ideas and expectations. The good news of the kingdom is that no amount of lethargy on our part will stop Jesus' mission to liberate people from bondage. One key aspect of the good news is that he wants us, you, you and me, all together to join him in his mission. Discipleship also has to do with belonging. As Jesus restores this woman's health, he reminds everyone that she is a daughter of Abraham. She is telling the congregation, those gathered, she is one of us. Belonging. Nations are built around ideas and practices of inclusion and exclusion. Deciding to join the family of God means that we do not simply conform our lives to the norms of the culture. The early church didn't. They defied the cultural and economic barriers that the system of that time imposed on daily life. The predominant and alienating categories as were set up in this way, slave and master, male and female, Greek and Jew. But those were no longer the guiding principles of life for the believers. Unity in Christ was the guiding principle. When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated. But the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Now, this is great. But as we know, Jesus is not out to win a popularity contest. He's still a teacher, so he will teach. His actions challenged the routines of the synagogue 2,000 years ago. And they should challenge our routines today. I believe the Word of God is challenging us to think of our Sunday worship time not according to our personal preferences, not centered around our traditions, 
but around his restoring love and the proclamation of his kingdom. This doesn't mean that we get rid of everything. No, it simply means that whatever we choose to keep or to let go of, we do so thinking of the big tree where birds can nest, which is the kingdom of God. Just as our building needed a seismic upgrade, we as the living temple, the living temple of God, must ask him to deepen our foundations, deepen the foundations of our community life into the life, teachings, and mission of Jesus. An important question to ask is, what is this woman freed out and what is she freed into? So what is she freed out of and what is she freed into? So the teacher goes on to explain this. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. I remember actually, uh, Andres, my son, added a little bit to scripture there. And he said, no, you know this part when it says, and the birds perched in its branches. And he said, and the bird watchers can enjoy it. So, uh, when we read this tiny but powerful parable, we often make the mistake of focusing only on how small the seed is, and then sometimes on how big a tree can grow. But I believe that the key point of this parable, the key point of the seed, and of the kingdom is not how much it grows for, no, for the sake of size, but how much life it supports. The end point of the parable is that birds perched on the tree's branches, that it supports life. This is a powerful parable. The prophet Ezekiel already describes God as a tree planter. In Ezekiel 17, uh, 22, 23, uh, it says, This is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will take a shoot from the very top of a cedar and plant it. I will break it off a tender sprig from its topmost shoots and plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain heights of Israel, I will plant it. It will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar. Birds of every kind will nest in it. They will find shelter in the shade of its branches. Christologically speaking, that is talking about the identity of Jesus, we could interpret this parable as Christ being the seed that reemerges after it's planted to hold us all. But 
the whole point is that the focus is on the action of God. While the first parable emphasizes the role of God, the following parable emphasizes his invitation to us to join him in his life, in his mission. Again he asked, What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. The church is not the kingdom of God, but she is the agent of the kingdom of God. Unfortunately, we tend to forget this. We start behaving as if God's work happens primarily behind the walls of our church. It's most, mostly inwards, and that's just not the case. In this parable, the dough is not the church. The dough is the society where the church is planted. Discipleship in all areas of life means that your studies, your careers, the way you lead your family life, the way you spend your money, the way you see and treat your neighbors are the places where the yeast of God's kingdom is bringing transformation. Yes, the kingdom of God is much bigger than any one congregation. It is bigger than all the churches combined, even. And yet, the kingdom is all about those honoring and restoring relationships that take place at the congregational level. Yes. I am sure that Viola Desmond heard these stories of Jesus. And I'm grateful that she could find support and encouragement in her local church, which is now called New Horizons Baptist Church. I pray that we are always a community where people can bring their questions, a community that is filled by the Spirit with the desire for true justice, a community where the hurts are not ignored. The Gospel of Luke shows us in this story that Jesus is Lord. That's how Luke refers to Jesus. And as such, he pays attention to our needs. He brings freedom. He teaches us how to live. And he's inviting us to be agents of his kingdom. Amen. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. 
For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.